hope you heard those words and did more than just sing them. We serve the Jesus who paid it all, right? And he is able to do everything that he wants to do. That's amazing. Great. Thank you, guys. Um, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn to Galatians chapter 2, which if you don't have a Bible in the seats in front of you, there should be a Bible. If you don't own one, take that home. That's our gift to you. It's page 883. If you don't know where that is in the New Testament, that's okay. You're probably not the only one, so don't feel ashamed in that. And uh, we're also going to be looking at Joshua chapter 10, uh, which is in the Old Testament. So if you want to keep your finger in the New Testament, we're going to flip to Joshua chapter 10, which is page 159 in your, uh, in your pew Bible there. <clears throat> but today we're starting a sermon series that, that uh, follows with where we're going to be in our small groups called Sun Standing Still. And it's the story out of Joshua 10 where God just does an amazing thing. And it, the, the thing I, I want you to get, if you, if you don't hear anything else from what we say and what we believe as a church, is that we believe that God is able to do amazing, incredible, impossible, unexplainable things because He is God. Uh, there, was a, there was a movement several years ago that said God is dead. And I want you to know that God is not dead and he is still alive and he is still in control. And he is the God of miracles and he's the God of amazing things. And we not only believe that, but we want to teach that and we want to live that out and we want to pray in a way and ask God to do amazing, incredible, uh, awesome things. We're going to come back to Galatians chapter 20, but, to, but turn to Joshua chapter 10 because this is the story where we're going to spend some time over the next weeks. Because in this story, God's man, God's leader, leading God's people is in a battle. And, and in Joshua chapter 10, we're, we're not going to look at the whole story, but what I want you to do is look at verse 12. Because in the heat of the battle, as, as things were going crazy, as, as they were unsure about what was going to happen, look at verse 12 in Joshua chapter 10. It says, And at that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still at Gibeon, and the moon in the valley of Agilon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, and the nation took vengeance on their enemies. And it, is this not written in the book of Jashar? The sun stopped in the midst of the heaven and did not hurry to set for about a whole day. And there had been no day like it before or since when the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. So Joshua returned and all Israel with him to the camp of Gilgal. Here's what I want you to see. God hears our prayers. And God, that day, did an amazing, incredible miracle. He stopped the sun. Now, if it was uh, 100 degrees outside, we might say, we don't want him to stop the sun. We want the moon to come. Listen, God stopped the sun. He, he stopped. Now, how, how does that happen uh, when, we look, when we study the stars and we know that the planet is spinning and we know the sun is, is moving around in the solar system and, and all these things? I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that that day, the sun didn't go down. All I know is that God, it says, I love this, and we're going to come back to this, but you have to look and see. It says that God fought for Israel. You know what I believe? I believe that we serve the God who can stop the sun and that he hears your prayers and that he will fight for you. And so for those of you who are here this morning and you're defeated and those of you who have been battling and you think that the sun is about to go down and there's nothing that I can do, here's what I want you to hear. God is fighting for you. 
And if we're willing to ask, then God will do amazing and incredible things. Now, that's where we're going to park. But as I was preparing for this, I felt like we can't just start in the middle of that story. We can't just start in Joshua chapter 10 because this this Sun Standing Still um, series is, is focused on a statement that says, what will happen in your life when you dare to ask God to do the impossible? When we say that, then I think we have to kind of take a couple steps back because there's some questions that we need to answer because God is the God that is able to do whatever He wants, and we believe that. But if you look in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I believe that it begins here. I want us to read that together. In fact, I have given you, given you a little card in your seat that I'd like for you to take with you today, and it's laminated. You can stick it in your purse or in your wallet or in your pocket because I would love for us as a church to begin to memorize some Scripture together. And So if you want to just take this card out, let's just read it together as a group, okay? Everybody got their card? Hold your card up, all right? If your neighbor's not holding your card, then give them a swift elbow and tell them to wake up, okay? Here we go. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now that's a great passage. And I I think that passage holds the key for where we can say, God, we want you to do amazing things. And let me explain that. If you look in in, in that passage, it says that we have been crucified with Christ. We've been crucified with Christ. Now, that, that is, we're, we're going to come back to that in just a minute, but that's kind of a, a gruesome picture. But for those of you who, who are like me, who have lived life and, and we have sinned, we have done things wrong, we know that there are times in our life when we have to put to death those sins. And so Paul says that to the church at Galatia. He says, listen, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, it means your old life has to go away. In fact, he, he, he continues on. He says, it's no longer I who live, but what? Look at your card. Who lives in me? Christ lives in me. Can I tell you this? That when Jesus becomes the Lord of your life, that Jesus comes to live in you. And something changes. The old self dies and there is a new you. But that's not the end of the verse. Look at the rest of the verse. It says, now I live by faith. Because this whole thing of, of what, 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 would it, what would our life be like if we begin to ask God to do impossible things begins with a life filled with faith. What does it mean to follow God? What does it mean to live by faith? But not faith in just anything. He finishes the verse. He says, the life I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, I, I want to break that apart because I believe that as believers, not only do we have the opportunity, but I believe there is a responsibility for us not to live mediocre Christian, show up on Sunday, don't ever do anything else, never read my Bible, never do anything uh, incredible and amazing that God can use for his glory. I, I, I don't think that's what we're supposed to be. I think we're supposed to be believers who believe that God can do amazing and incredible things. When you read the Bible, it is filled with stories where God just stepped up and did incredible things. Listen to me. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. It's the same God. (laughs) 
We love the same God. We serve the same God. The Jesus that died on the cross, it's the same God. And we have that opportunity today. Now, I want to give you several things because if we're going to ask God to do amazing things, how do we do that? Number one is this. There, there, there are some rules. Number one is this, that only his children can ask. Now, that's going to mess with some of your theology, okay? Some of you come in here and said, you know what? I don't know God, but, but if I ask God to do something, he's going to hear me. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Uh, you can write down these scriptures, okay? Uh, it, it says that God loves his children in God's word, okay? 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, it says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul tells us that we as believers in Christ have been adopted into God's family. And here's what I want you to hear. When the world is in trouble, they cry out for God. We just celebrated 9-11 and, and not, not really celebrated what happened, but celebrated the fact that as a country, we're, we didn't give up. We didn't give in. In fact, we got stronger. And, and we stood up and we said, you're, you're not going to mess with us. And, and, and that, that was an aggressive way of saying, you, you can come and crash into our buildings, but we're going to fight back because we believe in our way of life and we believe in, in the God that we are defending. And so even this next week, we'll see men and women from our community who will go to the Middle East and they're going to go and, and fight for our freedom to defeat the evil. But here's what I want you to see. God says, that, that when, when we're in trouble, that only his children are the ones that he hears. So when we ask God to do things and we're not a believer, we really don't have the ear of God. Why is that? Why, why? Well, that doesn't sound very fair. I, I thought God was a loving God. I thought God was a generous God. I thought God wanted to give to the world. He did. He gave his only son. He gave the most expensive thing that he had. But it doesn't mean that if you don't know Jesus, that you have the ear of God and you can ask him to do impossible and amazing things. That, that power is limited to the children of God. Now, how do I know that? For, uh, John chapter 14, verse 6, goes against an ideology in our world that says that you can believe in whatever you want and you'll go to heaven when you die. Here's what John 14, 6 says. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no man comes to the Father except by me. That sounds pretty uh, close-ended to me. It doesn't leave many loopholes. It doesn't say, hey, believe in whatever you want. It doesn't say that, hey, if you're a good person. It says that the only way to heaven is to follow the Lord Jesus Christ with all of your heart. And so the thing I want you to see today is that if you're going to ask God to do impossible, amazing things, it begins with a relationship with Christ. It begins with you saying, you know what? I recognize that to ask God for amazing things, I must know the God that I'm asking. Okay? So if you're a, not a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, unfortunately what I have to tell you is that you don't have power to ask God to do impossible things. But as a child of God, as, as a believer in Christ, we do have that, that ability. That brings me to my second point. Number one, you, you have to be a child of God, but secondly, you have to believe in God. And, it, and it's more than just facts. Listen, some of you in this room can tell me everything about God. You, you, if, if we were to have what I would have grown up saying, uh, the, the Sunday school questions, if, if, if I were to ask you detailed facts about who God is, about what the Bible is about, so answers, you, you could give me, many of you could do that without even thinking, but it's more than just facts. How do we know that? James chapter 2 verse 19 says, you believe that God is one? You do well. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Okay? So belief and information is, is not enough. 
It has to be, it has to be more than just information. In fact, I want you to look in Galatians chapter 2 because Paul deals with this. Look in verses 15 through 17 because this isn't anything new. We're not having a conversation about something that we just have discovered in the last few years. In fact, what it says here in verse 15 is that they were struggling with the same thing. Look at verse 15. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through the faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ uh, then a servant of sin? Certainly not. And then it jumps down into verse 20 and, and says the verse that we quoted just a minute ago, that we're crucified with Christ and now our life is lived by faith. Verses 15 through 17 says this, that it's not following the rules. It's not just showing up to church on Sunday. Listen, I'm glad you're here. I'm excited you're here. I love coming to church, okay? But church will not save you. Church will not be what, when God gets to heaven, he's not going to go, well, I got your report card, and you were at church every Sunday. Good. You get to go to heaven. It doesn't work. It, 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 does, it, it continues to say that, hey, even if you follow all the rules, that you get to go to heaven. Okay, here's the Ten Commandments. Didn't kill, didn't steal, didn't covet your neighbor's stuff. Well, maybe we did that. Well, you got nine out of ten, or you did pretty good. It's not that, is it? It's not following the law. What he says in Galatians chapter 2 is that it's a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's having faith in God. And it's more than just believing facts. It is believing that God is real and that he can change my life and then doing something with that. Because just believing, the devil does that. He believes that God is real. He believes that God is powerful. And then the third thing that I want you to see is not only do we have to be a child of God to ask God to do amazing things, not only do we have to believe more than facts, but we have to do something about that. And that's where Galatians chapter 2 comes in, verse 20. Because what, what Paul says, listen, if you're going to follow Christ, he says in verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, what is that? that's pretty gruesome. I mean, we, we in our day, we, we don't nail people to crosses in, in the center of town as punishment, but that was very common in their day. And so he took a picture of what they knew, and he said, listen, if you're going to follow Jesus, it's like saying to my old life that I nail you to the cross that the old me is gone, that, that, I'm, that I'm laying down my life and I'm saying, today I'm going to follow Christ. I love how Paul said it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old uh, it has passed away and behold, the new has come. Here's what I know. When you come to Christ, what God says is this, all that junk, all that mess, all that sin, all the lifestyle of you living for you, that goes away. And today I give you a new life, a new creation. You, you become a new person. And it's the same language. It's the same idea because God has changed us by his grace. And so for those who want to ask God to do amazing things, for those who want to live their life knowing that at some point I didn't just live like everybody else, but at some point I decided that I was going to live my life for God and that I was going to see God do amazing things in my life and through my life and in 
the churches that I uh, attend. If you're going to be that kind of person, then it has to be an active belief. Because Paul doesn't just say, hey, you're crucified with Christ, you give up some stuff, you follow some rules, and you go to heaven when you die. What he says is, you crucify your life, and then you begin to live your life in faith. Can I tell you one of the struggles in the Christian life is living your life by faith? Has anybody in here seen God? Now, that, that could be interesting. I guess I should have thought about that question before I asked it. But most of us have not literally, physically seen God, right? But we believe that He is real. In fact, I want you to know that I believe that God is actually more real than you are. <laughs> That's my belief. That's my understanding. Although I have never sat on the couch with God and had a conversation, although God has never patted me on the back or hold my hand, I've never physically touched Him, I believe that God is real. And I'm going to tell you why I believe that God is real. Because I've seen his power in my life, in my, in my heart, in my, in my family. I've seen him. He is real. And he is, he is more real than anything else that's going on in my life. Yet, <clears throat> it's hard to explain that to somebody, isn't it? In fact, if you think about it, it's really hard to say that I, I believe in God and, and explain that to an unbeliever. In fact, many times as I'm trying to share Christ with other people, it's hard to explain who God is. It's hard to explain what He can do because until you experience Him, it's hard to picture in your mind. And I've had many people say, you know what, if I could just see Him or if I could just touch Him or if I could just see a, a video of Him. But I want you to know that God is greater than any video you could see. God is greater than he, even if He was sitting here physically because He is God. Paul says that we have to have that active faith, that we have to believe that God is real. We have to be changed by His grace. But here's the tough thing. For some of you today, you, you may be seeking Jesus. You, you may be trying to figure out, is this Jesus the, the one I need to follow? And I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to be really honest with you. If you were to give your heart and your life to Jesus, it would be the best decision that you would ever make today. But the bad thing is, that you still are in the same skin that you came in, you go home to the same house, you still have the same problems, you still have the same uh, family to deal with or friends or, or co-workers, you still walk out this door with the same problems that you came in with. The only difference is that you have a Savior who loves you and is willing to walk with you. And what is even greater than that is that on the inside of your heart that God has said, the sin that you committed, I forgive you and I make you clean. What's amazing is that God will do that for you, and He's done it for me. He says, he says in Scripture here that, that we, we, have to, we have to believe. It, it has to be an active faith, and that means that Christ lives in me. What, what does it mean for Christ to live in me? And, you know, I don't know about you, but, but I grew up watching kind of some weird, uh, you know, Ghostbusters. Anybody ever seen Ghostbusters? If a ghost comes in you, then, you know, ooh. it's not that Jesus comes in and he does something goofy in you. Jesus comes into your heart because he was designed to be in there. The Bible tells us that you were created in the image of God and you, were to, you have a, a, a hole in your life that is the shape of who God is. And when you accept Christ, Jesus comes and takes residence in your life. And wh what does that mean, Pastor? That, that sounds a little bit weird. It means that God begins to change your mind. 
He begins to change your heart. He begins to change your attitude. Paul wrote about this in Romans chapter 12. He says this, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that, the, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, here's what I wish I could tell you. I wish I could tell you that if you didn't know Jesus today and you gave your heart to Jesus, that, that everything in your life would be perfect, that, that nothing would be wrong, and that you would have a full slate of faith where you would be able to believe and not even doubt anything, and there would never be a question in your mind and your heart about who God is and whether He can do that. That doesn't happen. <laughs> it's a journey. It's kind of like getting a new friend and not sure whether I can trust them or not. And you have to spend some time, and you have to, to know who they are, and know who their character is, and begin to know their heart. And as you begin to know the heart of God, you trust Him more. As God begins to do work in your life, you begin to trust Him more. You begin to realize that the faith that you have in Him is, is solid, and it's more solid than anything else in your life. And that journey of faith begins at your point of accepting Christ. And it grows and grows and grows throughout your whole life. If you've ever met a person who, who is what I would call a, a, a person of faith, who, who God is not just a hobby for them, but it is a lifestyle. And, it, and it's, a, it's a life of faith that they have grown over time to be able to trust God for anything. When they come up against tough things, listen to this. When they come up against tough times, you know what they do? They say, you know what? My God is enough. My God is big enough. And you watch that faith and you go, man, I want that faith. I want that trust. I, I want that ability that no matter what I'm facing, that I can look at God and say, God, you are big enough to handle this. That faith comes in a journey. But I'll tell you, you'll never start the journey if you don't ever start walking with God. He says in, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he says that it's Christ living in me, but, but then he goes farther. He says that it's, it's, it's life now. It, it is a faith living life. It, it, it is living out that faith day by day by day. Here's what I know. That if you're going to live a life of, a live a life of faith, that you're going to have to believe in a new way. If you're going to live a life of faith, you're going to have to believe that God is real and He's more than just a church or He's more than just a, a Bible. He's, he's more than, than just a set of beliefs that you had. You, you, you're going to have to believe that God is real and that He can do amazing, incredible things and He can do whatever we ask. Well, pastor, what can we ask for? I mean, that's really what this all boils down to, isn't it? I mean, isn't that what we really want to know? We, we want to know, okay, I hear you, Pastor. I hear you saying that, that God is real. Okay, I believe that. I, I hear you saying that, that we need to do more than just believe a set of rules or show up to uh, perfect attendance at church. I hear that. But, but what can we ask for? If we are a child of God, if we know Jesus as our personal Savior, what can we ask for? I want to read you one verse. John chapter 14. Actually, it's three verses. Sorry, didn't mean to lie. One passage. John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14 says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do works, uh, do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, 
because I am going to the Father. Listen to this. Whatever you ask in my name, this will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, I'm not real smart, but can I read that verse to you again? Because it's not, it's not really complicated. Did you hear? Listen to this. Whatever you ask in my name, this will I do. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So what will God do for his children? Whatever and anything. Now, I'm not an English major, but that's pretty simple, isn't it? Now, some people take this and they twist it. All right, I'm just going to be real honest with you. If you turn on the TV, they're going to say this. Hey, I can ask God for anything. I'll take a silver Lexus, okay? Or I'll take a lake house in Tahoe or ski. That'd be ski, wouldn't it? Um, whatever. I don't have either, so it doesn't really matter. I mean, we, we, we take that and we kind of twist it and we say, well, God says I can have whatever I want. Now, God didn't say that you can have materially whatever you want. He says if your heart is in the right place, if you are following me, if you are Galatians 2.20, if you are crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, and the life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If it's that kind of a life, then when you come to God, you're not coming to God saying, hey, I want a silver Lexus because you realize the things of this world will pass away. But if you say to God, God, I want you to move in an incredible way in my job, in my in my friends that don't know Christ and the people that I've been hanging out with who need Jesus, God, would you help me to reach them for Christ? God's going to say, hey, whatever you ask in my name, I'm going to do it. And he's going to make an impact in your life. If you're in, a, if you're in a tough place in your life and you love Jesus with all of your heart, let me tell you something. God wants to bring you out of that hole. And if you ask him, God, hey, I'm not asking you to rescue me out, like take me completely out, but I'm asking you to walk me out of this valley. God's going to say, hey, whatever you ask in my name, I'm going to do it. You know why? Because God loves his children. Many, many of you don't know me, but if you came up to me today and you say, hey, Doug, could, could, I, uh, could I borrow your car? You know what I'd say? No. You know why? Because I don't know you. <laughs> I don't know who you are. I don't know if you're an a crazy driver, or if you've never had a ticket in your life and you drive 14 miles an hour everywhere, I don't know who you are, and so I'm not going to give you my car. Why? Because my car is of value, and if, if I just handed the keys to my car to anybody, what would happen? It wouldn't take very long, that I wouldn't have a very, either wouldn't have a very nice car, or you would wreck it, and I wouldn't have a car at all. Now, at some point, my children are going to grow up, and they're going to turn, this is crazy, in South Dakota at 14 and a half, you can give the keys to, to a car to a teenager who's not even shaved yet, and, and I don't understand that, so whatever that law, why it ever came into being, I don't understand, but at some point, my children are going to come to me and say, Dad, can, can I have the keys to the car? And although inside of me, it's screaming no, at some point, I'm going to hand them the keys to my car. Why? Because they're my children, and I'm going to teach them to drive. But at some point, when they're very old, 16, I'm going to, I'm going to let them drive by themselves. Why? Because they're my children, and we're a family, and this is our stuff. And, and I'm going to trust them. Why? Because they're my children. Can I tell you what God wants to do for his children? He wants to give you the keys. He wants to allow you to have the benefits of being a son or a daughter of God. He wants to bless you. Why? Because you're his child. And there are things that I will do for my family that I will go above and beyond. I have two brothers and a sister. And if any of them called me today and said, hey, Doug, I need you to do fill in the blank. You know what? 
I'm going to do it. Why? Because they're family. Now, we're a church family, and I hope that at some point we get to the place where we love each other enough that we help each other and we do whatever we can. But there's something special about our family family, right? There's something special that we would do. In fact, if I knew that my, my parents were in trouble today, you know what I would do? I would pack up my car and I would drive to them. Why? Because they're family. Here's what God will do for you. He will come to wherever you are. He will seek to rescue you. He will seek to pour into your life in a way that nobody else will. You know why? Because he loves you. And he gave his son for you. He's proved himself over and over and over again. And Galatians chapter 2 says that the life we live, we live by faith. And we get to ask for whatever we want because we're a child of God. Scripture says that when you become a child of God, you get, a, you get to be an heir to an inheritance that's not yours. We, we are adopted into a family that we did not deserve to be a part of. And Jesus says, you know what? I love you. I care for you. Now, there's only two problems that will arise, and I want to give you these as I close this morning. The, the only two problems that I can see that if you're going to ask God to do amazing and incredible things are this, two things. Number one, if you don't know Jesus, you can't ask. Okay? Why? Because there, there are limitations to what God will do. And God says, hey, if, if, if you're a child of mine, then John 14, chapters, uh, verses, chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, whatever you ask in my name, I will do. And anything you ask, I will do it. But if you're not a child of God, you don't get that permission. But here's what I want you to know. Salvation is not limited to just a few. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says this, that God demonstrated his love for you and that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. You know what that means? It means that God loves you. It means that he wants you to have those same adopted privileges as other people who know Jesus. It's not limited. It's, the grace is not going to ever run out. God's love never runs out. And it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done or what you've, what you've walked through. God loves you. And he wants you to have these things. In fact, what you need to know is that God wants you to discover who you are and who you were meant to be. And for many of you, you've, you've found that. But for some of you in this room, you've never found that Jesus. And today is your day. The other problem that I see is this. And this is unfortunately where I see most churches and most believers is that you have the ability because you're a child of God, but you never use that power. You never ask for great things. Because you know what? What if God doesn't do it? What, 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 if, God, what if God lets me down? What, what if I ask for the wrong thing and God kind of shames me? Hey, listen, this is what Jesus said. Jesus is talking to some people and, and they're kind of asking those same kind of questions in Matthew chapter 17. And Jesus says this. He says, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, then you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Do you realize the power that you have as a child of God? God says that we can move mountains. Now, I would appreciate it if you would leave the Black Hills where they are because they're beautiful, okay? But God says if you had just a little bit of faith, that there can be mountains moved in your life. Here's what I know. There are people sitting in this room today who have mountains of sin, who have mountains of problems, who have mountains of issues, and you feel surrounded. You feel like you are in the darkest valley of your life. Here's what I know. That if you'll have faith that God is bigger than all that, then he will move those mountains. And that he will allow you to see 
that he is more powerful and more amazing. For some of you, you need to discover that you can be a child of God. For some of you, you need to remember that you are a child of God. And God's standing there with the keys saying, if you'll just use this, it's here for you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? With every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to leave it at this. If you need to discover who God wants you to be and you need Christ in your heart today, I want to give you that opportunity. Right now, without any flash, any bang, without uh, trying to make this something huge, I just want to say that if you'll give your heart and your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus will forgive you of all of your sins and he will save you. The Bible says that if we come to him and we believe that he died on the cross for our sins, that he was buried in a grave and that he rose again on the third day, and we, we confess our sin to him and we say, God, this is what we've done, that he will forgive us. And so I'm going to lead you in a prayer because I believe that this is the most important thing because you know what? You could get a silver Lexus, but it's not going to get you to heaven. You can come to church every Sunday, but it's not going to get you to heaven. You can gain notoriety in the world, and it will not get you to heaven. The only thing that will get you to heaven, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by me. (laughs) So today, I want to introduce you to my friend, my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to choose to follow him, then today, if you'll just pray this prayer with me with your head bowed and your eye closed. You believe this prayer, and God will save you. Just pray silently in your heart. Just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. I ask you to forgive every sin I've ever committed. I ask you to cleanse my heart and make me clean. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I ask you to come into my life to be my Lord and my Savior and ask that you would change me from the inside out. Now, if you prayed that prayer, here's what I believe. My God is big enough to save you. My God is big enough to rescue you. My God is big enough to take you from your your problems into his solutions. God wants to do that. Let me just close this in a word of prayer, and then we're going to take up our offering and be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we love you. God, I thank you for those today who maybe for the first time discovered who they were. They may have lived a long time on this earth, but for the first time, they discovered that they were meant to be a child of God. Lord, I pray today that for those who prayed that prayer, Lord, that they would have the courage to tell somebody, even if it means just on the card that's in their seat, say, checking that box that says, I I want more information about becoming a Christian. God, I pray that you would give them the courage to do that. God, I pray for the rest of the people in the room. Lord, many of us know Christ. Many of these people in this room have a relationship with Jesus, but God, we're not living in that power. We're not not asking you to do amazing things, and it's not your fault, it's our fault, because we just don't have enough faith. And so, God, I pray today that you would help us to walk in faith. You would help us to believe that you are greater than than any problem that we will face. You you are greater than anything that we could come up against. And God, we just ask that you would do an amazing work in our lives. God, in the the weeks to come, as we study what it means to, to ask God to make the sun stand still, God, I pray that we would have a faith that is monumental, that is amazing, and 
that it would not glorify Connection Church and it would not glorify us individually, but God, it would glorify the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the one who has saved us. God, we love you. We thank you for loving us. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.